Hello, hello, Caloston. This is Mapha. Should I say this is this is Mapha? There you go. <laughs> a Cypriot football podcast, a roundup show, which um, has, has uh, put a few nose out of joint, but we're not going into that one. Happy days as usual. I'm still, I've got Roy and I've got Kiri here, my co host as ever. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing with the Pope being in Cyprus at this moment in time? <laughs> I feel blessed, man. <laughs> Kiri, how you doing, man? I'm, I'm all right. It's. I, I was thinking with the Pope is like he's on. He's on. On any poskedigi from the Vatican. <laughs> he's. He's, <laughs> he, he's on. Yeah, he's on loan. He's on. He's. He's gonna. He's gonna go to Cop and bless them. <laughs> they need more than God, let's hear this for now. <laughs> Blimey, well, what, what a strange week it's been. It's been quite a strange week for, for, for Cypriot football. And when I say strange week, I mean from Monday. I don't mean from the weekend. I mean from Monday because Monday was supposed to see the, the derby. Up well against Omonia. Uh, a match with two sides in pretty decent form. And... Um, it wasn't. It wasn't the Pope that caused the match to be cancelled. It was Mother Nature. <laughs> Roy, you got. Roy, you live in Lefkos here, don't you? Kira, I don't know. You live in Limassol, right? Yeah, yeah. You live in Limassol. So tell me something, Roy. Say two, three hours prior to the game, what was the weather like in Cyprus? It was. It was normal. It, there was a lot, a lot of sand. Bear in mind that where I work is is. is Closer to the mountains rather than uh, where Rasibis, which is in La Cha, you know where Rasibis is, like the highway towards Larnaca and Limassol. But nothing really that uh, would have made me believe that uh, the fog would have been enough to stop a game. I mean, uh, the beginning of the game, watching it, because I, I walked into the pub a couple of minutes later. I was thinking, is, is it fireworks? What What is this? I, I didn't know. Was it the TV? Was Because there's a big projector as well. I was like, is it the projector? Or is it something wrong with the projector? Is it, you know, Abuel fans or Monia fans like with fireworks? But then, yeah, but nothing really made me believe that, you know, the the extent of the, of the fog. But I, I, at the end of the day, I think it was the right decision it was very difficult to play such a game and it was so important for both the teams so it would have been unfair i think if the game continued with uh, that situation well uh, they didn't have any highlights on youtube but someone took a video from their camera phone and put it on, online and i've cut out a few bits because there was a hand moving and obviously it's silent you can't hear it but there's a guy in the background blaming the fireworks. Apparently, some Abuel fans set off fireworks, and and um, there was so many, so much smoke from the fireworks that they couldn't see anything. And then he's saying, "I can't watch the game." Yada yada. yada. Even the commentator at one point said, "I don't know what's happening." <laughs> now I don't know if, if the commentator was in the stadium watching the game. There were fans there, obviously, and some could see, some couldn't. Judging by these pictures, some players couldn't see what was going on. It took 16 minutes before the game was stopped. And then they decided to 
to discuss the situation. Um, you saw the hand there. <laughs> so, um, Kiri, um, th this isn't the most bizarre thing that's happened in Cyprus. And for us to be talking about a game to be called off because of fog or bad weather isn't a big deal, really. But when you think about it, scientifically speaking, as the night grows later and it gets colder, the mist and the fog was going to get thicker. So surely before kickoff, they'd have seen there being a possibility of it being cancelled. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> it's really weird. Um, it just, I mean, I can't dispute that there was a visibility problem. Um, but I don't know. It, it's um, the biggest implications are going to be what, what happens next for the replay because if it happens after Jan, after January is going to be a huge problem, I think mostly for Ammonia, right? Because you guys can't field, well, no one can, neither team can field transfers. You have to field uh, just players who were um, entered into the, the day. Yeah. Selected on the day. So it's going to be a, a problem. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to squeeze in a game before January. It's, it's tricky. Well, I don't thing, know what's Roy, going to Roy was explaining it to me earlier. And as far as I understand, as you quite rightly said, both teams have to field the exact same lineup as they did. So if Omonia or Abwa have any injuries, any players that come in, it counts as a substitution, right? But Omonia have two players going to the African... African Cup of Nations being Shehu and Uzoho. So yep. if the game is played during the during AFCON or when the players are flying out there, that's two substitutions already. And do they start from 16 minutes in? Because if they do, then Jordi Gomez is already on a yellow card. This is it's, it's this is Cyprus, I guess. This is Mapa. Yeah, I mean, I mean, these are universal rules, but they should have thought of that. Well, firstly, before they went ahead with the game. Secondly, when they arranged the fixtures, you know, Cyprus has this huge gap uh, during winter, which I'm not, it's not the worst thing in the world considering players in other leagues get played to death. Yes, I'm talking about the Premier League where players are expected to perform every two, three days. And th December and January is like hamstring awareness month, you know, in the, in the, in the Premier League. But, um, yeah, it's a problem. And unless, I mean, the thing that I'm thinking they might try is shift it way deep into the second round. That's the only thing that I can think of. Because it's after Europe, after the AFCON, after the January transfer window. And, or I mean, I, I don't know. That's the only thing that I can think of at the, at the moment. You know what? Actually, on Sunday, we're playing against Tael. The, uh, the first game of the second round and we still haven't played the first game of the first round, which was the opening game of the season. We, we still yeah. haven't played the game. And just to add to what you're saying, apparently they said that today they were going to decide the date that the game is going to be continued. They were going to continue a game. And obviously it can't be this week because of the Pope. Well, well, Roy, I mean, before, before you carry on, explain to our, our viewers or people listening why they couldn't play the game today. Because we mentioned the Pope at the beginning of the show and people were like, huh? So why, why, is, it, why is it significant that, that the game can't be played this week? 
Okay, so obviously, uh, when, when the, the rule says that if a game is played on a weekday and, and it stops for any reason that's not the fault of any of the two teams, like in this case, because of Mother Nature, uh, the, the game continues on the following Wednesday, the first Wednesday of the week. So if we played on Monday, we should have played on Wednesday. But because the Pope is here in Cyprus and he's going to use the stadium the Gassipi Stadium uh, for his appearance, you know, uh, obviously for security checks and uh, the cleanliness, I don't know what, the, the pitch was not available. And, okay, it's not something that happens very often, but then Omonia's playing on Sunday with Ael. Like I said, it's, it's the first game of the second round and we still haven't played the first game of the first round then we've got a european game then we've got another game and it seems like it's very difficult to find a date to play the game with Abuel to continue the game and that's a problem not only for the reasons uh kiri explained earlier because with the transfer window coming up in case you want to you know buy any players you have to continue the game with the exact same squad and I'm talking about the 18 or 20 players that were selected. And any replacements you do is going to be considered as a substitution. So if, for the sake of the of the conversation, uh, Shewu and Uzoho are two players who started the game. If I go further and I say Omonia decides that they want to sign some players in the transfer window, say it's another two. So two plus two is four. And then you get an injured player. What are you going to do? So, on the one hand, I think that's something, even though it's a universal, uh, the, the the laws are, uh, are universal, I think that if it's not the fault of any of the teams, you know, they should be a little bit more flexible. Okay, say you can choose from the existing squad at the, at the date the game was going to be played. But if... For some reason, players are away on international duty or during the transfer window, some players left. You can replace them with, with, with players from, from the squad on the date of that game. So maybe, if, for example, we kept Asimenos or Hambos outside. Maybe you can have those players, but just to substitute these players, because it's not Omonia's fault and it's not Abuel's fault that this happened. But you know, I'm opening up a can of worms, and I don't want to. I don't want the podcast to be just about you know again ammonia, even though we didn't play. So yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a little curious because now they said today that they were going to tr- they were trying to put some pressure on the, on the teams ammonia and well to try and play the game on the 26, 27, 28. But a lot of players said no because at that time that they, they want to travel back, back to the families yeah. to they want to go back home. So. Not a lot of players are going to be very happy because yeah, unlike the Premiership where they have like games on Boxing Day, which is my birthday as well. Remember that, guys. Well, can't forget that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't feel very comfortable, you know, having two games in hand and being so far behind the table, you know. it's It just puts more pressure on the team. Plus, you know, it's two more games when others are going to be resting. 
I, I just hope oh. we don't have the same situation like Belenenses did against Benfica. Did you see that? Six, six, is it six players or? They started with nine. They didn't have yeah, anyone well, on the bench. Two players got injured, nil. and then the yeah, well, they were, they were still seven nil down at half time. They had nine oh, players man. to start off with. Two players got injured at half time, well, taken off because they, they didn't have any subs. And then one player got injured at the start of the second half, so they're down to six men and they had to cancel the game. Pat, apparently, Portugal is, um, I mean, they're enforcing really strict rules with COVID in terms of going to football. Uh, I think I saw a journalist a few days ago saying, because um, he lives in Portugal, he said um, he went, so you need, you need to be vaccinated and you need a test to go to the game. And he went to a pharmacy to get a test. And the next booking, the next available slot was two weeks later. Yeah, I mean, they might as well just travel to Cyprus. We'll sort them out and they can travel back to St. <laughs> we'll hook you up. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, medical tourism during uh, during December. <laughs> All uh, right, boys. Go, Karen. Sorry. No, no I was going to say since we're on the on offbeat topics, not really related on the, on the pitch. There's um, two topics. I don't know if you wanted to talk about. If you want to, if you want to get through them in the beginning. Go on. Uh, one is the Pathos under nineteen. Yes, yeah, let's touch on that one very quickly. Go on, you you got the story, mate. This was. Yeah, I, uh... I'm just looking to my notes because I don't want to make any mistakes on this. So, so there was a violent attack at an at, at an under 19 game between Apoel and Paphos in Paphos, with uh, where the coach Paphos's um, under 19s coach suffered head injuries. They, the police made arrests. They're still looking for suspects. Um, and now they're saying the Paphos general manager said they're going to hire security for every game from under 16s over. I mean, I don't know what that says about everything in, in Cyprus. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure there's, there's much to add other than say that this is like deplorable. Uh, or yeah, exactly. And the other thing is, which is not strictly football related, but I, I'm just going to mention it very quickly. So, uh, Goa, so the Cyprus Sports Organization, in their grand wisdom, which is very cop like, uh, <laughs> decided without really taking permission from Salamina's volleyball team to rent out their stadium to a forex company uh, for two weeks in December for, for, I guess, a conference, an event or something, meaning that Salamina can only play the, the games during that month but can't train in their own stadium pre and post match. Uh, and I've heard from, from sources that uh, the, the company gave Goa 20K to rent it out. And apparently they offered 500 euros to Salamina to cover oh my God. the expenses of the of the stadium where they want to train at. <laughs> so again, not much to add, but the absurdity of of Cyprus. Again, I should say allegedly about those amounts, but that's what I've heard. So they may or may not be true. 
just when you thought you were you were you surprised. <laughs> they just reel you back in. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, we can move on to the to the actual football. <laughs> yeah. Let's 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 move on to the next game, and let's talk about your team here. Um, uh, Kiri, Anorto, yeah. uh, Abo, um, Abolon played Anorthosi away. It's more of the same for Anorthosi. I think they would say that it was two points dropped uh, after playing against 10 men. Um, you guys took the lead through Dabo's header, as we're seeing here. Gadsas later had a shot blocked, which was probably the, the closest they came to scoring in the first half, which they equalising Anorthosi. Um, Gadelari's shot wide from range later on, after, as you can see, this, this moment here, as we're about to see. Um, and then Zrandi had a shot at the goalkeeper. And it's almost as if the game was like a game of tennis in the first half, especially uh, prior, to, prior to sending off, which we're going to speak about in, in just a moment. But there was a moment where Hamas looked like he brought down um, Galtza, which we're about to see here. I've seen penalties given, but it would have been very, very soft if it was because it, it, it didn't seem that Hamas did too much wrong. But given the way that VAR and referees work in Cyprus, as I That's said before, good. I've seen them given. I've seen them given. It, it looks it looks like he's lent into him a bit, but I think Gadsas has made a lot out of this one. Uh, Albanis had a mazy run, which uh, his shot was very well blocked. Um, and then Zrandi shot wide when he perhaps should have hit the target. Varda then equalised. Um, Hambarsuan's cross was perfect. That's, I think that's Varda's fourth goal of the season. Four goals and four assists in the league. He's turned out, turning out to be a really good signing for Anorthosi. And to be fair, I think he's carrying them at this moment in time. I don't know what Filiodis was doing, in all fairness. Should have got much closer to him. And then Hamas, I don't know what he was doing out wide. Didn't do enough to stop the cross. Um, so I think that's a very disappointing goal to concede uh, from a ball on a standpoint. Dabo had a shot, which, again, perhaps he should have got on target. But then the sending off. Um, a ball on, uh, down to 10 men. Uh, Roberge with a second yellow. When I saw it, I was messaging you guys in the chat. I thought, I think that, that's a straight red. But looking at it more and more, I'd agree that it's a second yellow. I don't think he intended to follow through. So you could tell his eyes were on the ball the whole time and yet agreed it was a second yellow and, and that was the right decision. And that's when Anorthosi woke up. That's when Anorthosi stepped up a gear. As you can see with this opportunity, Deletic headed the ball. It actually came off Hamas. I don't think he, Hamas knew too much about it, in all fairness. But it was great work from Christophe to put the ball into the box. And um, you're kind of expecting Deletic to, to hit the target, but a good block. And then right at the end... I think Deletic is the first one to say he should have won it because this opportunity in the 87th minute, I don't know how he hit the post. He was on his favoured left foot. He's in acres of space, on the volley. He's done practically everything right, but it's almost as if he's hit it too well. Um, Kiri, what are your um, evaluation? What's your evaluation of, of the game and of the performance overall, mate? Um, I'll, I'll just uh, just a quick comment on the last on the on uh, Deletic hit, hit, hitting the post. Um, five or six years ago, when I, I was playing uh, power league in in London, I, I told uh, some colleagues that the the difference between clinical and terribly wasteful is very thin, and they kind of laughed at me because <laughs> they were saying, "Well, you either are, are clinical or you, or you aren't," but 
my point was this. Had, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Had it gone in, let's say off the post or just like on the, on the side netting, it would be a perfect finish because it's as far away from the keeper being able to do anything as possible, right? So you, you remove any chance of a save. But at the same time, you open yourself to hitting the post or even slicing it out wide. So yeah, I, I thought that was I thought that was in. I, I couldn't believe Abolon. I guess I mean people say it's luck. Others people other people say, well, he should have just scored because you know it's up to you to not hit the post. But I I consider it luck, especially at the 87th minute. But other than that, I thought it was a fairly balanced game. I mean, I thought we were we had the upper hand in the first half, despite a couple of chances from, from Anorthosi. I thought the penalty would have been soft if he had given it. And I think if it was the opposite, like if uh, Abolon wanted that penalty, I don't think uh, Getzbaya would have liked that. You know, I, I don't think he would have appreciated a penalty like that being given against Anorthosi. I'd have loved to see this reaction. <laughs> I know, I know. That would have been worth the show itself. Really, that whole <laughs> show on it. <laughs> I know. I, I think, uh, I mean, a lot of Abolon fans think that the first half... Uh, basically, Abolon not finishing it in the first half by scoring at least a, a second kind of opened the game up to Anorthosi uh, equalising, and fine. I mean, the, the biggest one for me is, is that Jirandi uh, chance in the 42nd minute, I think. Pretty wide, yeah. Because, um, again, it was... He had two options. He could either take the shot himself, which he did, or pass it to Dabo on, on, on the right. Actually, I think he went with the right decision to go near post, but uh, yeah, execution was uh, slightly slightly off. Uh, don't have much comments because uh, the the red card kind of distorted things a little bit. I know you said in the chat that um, Abolon kind of got uh, you know off their rhythm once they went down to ten men. Um, I think in the first five or six minutes after the red, actually, he tried. The manager tried to keep them high. And press, but then Anorthosi kind of woke up and started committing a few more players forward, which made it difficult to keep the high line, difficult to, to keep the pressing. Um, if anything, actually, I think Anorthosi wasn't brave enough once they went down. Uh, sorry, once Abolong went down to 10 men, there were two incidents in random minutes, it doesn't even matter, where they regained possession in their half. And the way they built the, the the attack was so slow. It allowed Abolon to retreat back into like a 4-4-1 shape, really like without much stress. Um, I just thought they, they could have been a bit more daring. But at the end of the day, the 1-1, the I think it was a fair reflection of what happened on the pitch. A really good goal by Wada. I, I, I think he, like you said, totally agree that he's kind of carrying them at the moment. I need to ask you a question about Darbo. Yep. And um, for me, and, and this, this is just my honest opinion, when I've seen him play, in front of um, you look at him, he's a physical presence, he's strong, he's quick, um, you know, he's a brute, let's put it that way. But my main gripe about him is that he doesn't do enough off the ball, especially when his back is to goal. Now, when you guys had that, the, the, the when you went down to 10 men, he was effectively the, the central striker. He was asked to hold up play, running the channels. He wasn't doing it enough. And the other thing is, he reminds me, and this is going to sound really harsh, 
He reminds me of Iai in the sense that his first touch is terrible. It's a pass. Now, is that a concern for you guys? Because we've spoken about Dingini being missing and how he was so clinical last season. He was arguably the best striker in the league. I think him and Shepovic were the two. But over the course of the season, obviously, Dingini was, was, was way ahead. And obviously, Ryan Meyer as well. I yeah, yeah. Um, but do you think Dubba needs to improve that side of his game if he is to have a long-term future at the club? Because obviously, your head coach is very particular as to which mm. players are, are being selected. Um, so th does he need to improve in, in that respect? Dabo is a is a divisive player amongst fans. Actually, he's in the process of rehabilitating his image at the moment, um, as, as frustrating as he might appear in certain times. Um, he had a terrible, terrible second half of the season last year. He, he had a great start in Europe in the first few league games, scored a lot, uh, assisted a few goals, and then he just vanished for the rest of, his, of, the, of the season. He has certain uh, issues. I don't think he's able to, he will be able to fix. Um, the technique is one. The other one is not so much. Actually, I think he, his work rate is not bad, uh, all things considered. It's not that he doesn't, it's not a work rate issue. It's a decision-making issue and a tactical uh, nous issue, which he doesn't really have a lot of. I mean, he's, I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't have any of it, but sometimes his decision-making is lacking. That's my, my biggest gripe with him. Um, so for example, like this happens fairly often is um, he might scan the, the, the pitch, his surroundings, and he'll determine what the the best pass is or what the next best move is, but then in the next second things change and he doesn't he doesn't reevaluate quickly enough. And sometimes he'll he'll try to do a one touch pass, but then his teammate might be somewhere else or he hasn't done the run or a few things like that. I I mean broadly speaking, I appreciate him uh, for what he is. I have a fairly low bar from him um but yeah he's been decent the last few weeks um grabbed a few goals assisted um the the chance that you showed before i thought i mean when i first saw it i thought he should have at least hit the target no matter what but uh, but it was a corner it was actually blocked um so so yeah but it's it's his it's his passing for me that is a bit infuriating and i know he looks like a target man like you said but he doesn't have he doesn't have it in his toolbox to play with back against the goal to really kind of like try to budge the defender, get like get dirty in the box. He's like, it's, it's a weird one because he has the physique of a target man, but he, he's usually played on the periphery of the mm. attack. Mm. So this someone else needs to lead it. Um, it's a weird do you, one. Do you think that uh, Apollonas has a, a leader, like a target man? Because... Yeah, that's, uh, with with the transfer window opening soon, I know you said last uh, on the last episode that you would have considered maybe a central defender uh, and uh, a right back maybe. But would you consider like a centre forward? Or would you? Because I, I'm saying this because I want I wanted to ask you a little bit about Yanagis Pondigos. Obviously, he's not a centre forward. He, he can play on the 
right hand side um actually can play on both both sides and he's very fast and skillful and uh, i was going to ask you if 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 you if you could change something in the style of play of abolla or abollon what would you, who would you have brought in because we think he probably coming back I think that's one position that they're going to have to consider because you have, it's, it's like when we say about Omonia and any team, you're, you're basically replacing. And for the time being, I think Papunasvili uh, is, is, is one player that probably is going to go. And the other one is the, the Brazilian defender. What's his name? Wellington. Wellington, yeah. So if you consider that one position is gone for Bondicos, And then Dinguini's coming back in. Who else would you, would you think uh, is probably going to go or is a delegate to go if you want to bring someone else in? Um, just to, as quickly as, as I can, uh, actually, there is a target man, uh, which is Yanka. He's injured. Uh, but he's, he hasn't done enough. I think he scored maybe t- twice, but... He hasn't done enough, but he. Um, I don't think the man. That's my my secondary point is that, and it, it also relates to Vitas being injured, and the arrival of Bondigos. Um, I don't think Zorniga is a target man favoring manager, because he I, he wants a more fluid uh, kind of like attack and someone to, that can run, and press high up. And actually, store. I mean, he hasn't wowed anyone, but the the, the attack was functional uh, with him. But there isn't anyone super clinical at the moment. Uh, I mean, the closest one was in Guinea last year, and Pitas also last year. So missing both of them is is a problem. So I'm not sure if it's a, an issue of of a target man per se. Uh, but yeah, maybe someone who has uh, more composure in front of goal and, and, and is more of a natural finisher. So Pondigos um, is also a Cypriot. By the way, I, I should give a very quick background to that move. Uh, Abolon this week uh, confirmed the signing of um, this is his name is Christos. Uh, can't remember. Anyway, Yorgos Yorgos Pondigos from. Eintracht Frankfurt. He's a Cypriot. He's a, a product of Omonia's academy. He moved to Germany when he was uh, 17 or 16 years old, uh, 2019 anyway. Um, and he only played, I mean, not only because to get into the Eintracht Frankfurt side, you have to be very, very special. Mm. So he played for the, for the youth sides in, in Frankfurt uh, and Abolon have just signed in until 2023. So it's an interesting move. Uh, like uh, Roy said, features on the right and the left. Haven't seen him at all, so I can't speak on him. Uh, Roy told me a few positive comments. So it's interesting to see if he, if he features and how soon that he happens. Hasn't, he hasn't played for them since, since September. He's, he hasn't been in the squad. Yeah. So that's that's one reason of wanting to, to come back to Cyprus, I, I, I guess. But he's, he's still 18 years old, so... Yeah. You know, there's loads of time to to make another move later on. Absolutely. Uh, What so do you make of this signing? And it, it must be exciting because Roy and I and Chris were talking about this in our in our little Omonia group, and we were saying, you know, we'd love to have him to come back, but 
you know, obviously he's going to take up a space and who are you going to take out? Because on that right-hand side, obviously, Omonia, we're, we're lucky with players on that side. We've got Botiak and, and Loizzo. So, I don't know. I mean, look, at the end of the day, he's, he's a very talented player for the long term. He's, he's fantastic. But he, he hasn't been playing for the national team, which is quite a surprise. Uh, yeah, uh, it's difficult to say without knowing the backgrounds of these stories, mm. um, especially when it comes to national teams, because there's so much stuff in the background that we don't know. So certain clubs really don't want their players leaving. Um, I know Leighton Orient hated when uh, Ruel Sodirio and Hector Kiprianu came to play for the U21s. Uh, I can't say more, but I... I, I I know that they did not like that move. Um, and I'm sure other clubs abroad also don't like certain situations. And also, we don't know who shapes the, the you know, the who, which play, which separate player gets called to the national team. There's bonuses involved. There's agents involved. There's managers involved. Uh, that being said, I'm not saying that he should have been called because I haven't seen him at all. So, but I'm just saying that it's difficult to to speak on to speak on that. Um, that being said, I'm I'm. It's interesting. I I like the fact that Abolon is turning to a Cypriot. Uh, I was a bit envious of Omonia, um, you know, the last few years. It's not just the last two years where Omonia has been playing well that the Omonia turned towards young, talented Cypriot players. I know firsthand. Um, of what Omonia does to attract 15, 16, 17-year-old Cypriot players. Um, and I'm not uh, implying anything nefarious. I'm just saying that they are trying to attract them either through um, playing them or by good coaching or by hiring, I don't know, good fitness coaches or good uh, physios or good whatever, just making it more attractive to a young player to come and play there. So obviously we had the exception of of Bitas on our on our end. Um, and oh, okay, because... Ham, actually, Hambos is, is old now. He's he's nearing yeah. thirty. But um, yeah. but yeah, Psihas, Malekidis, okay. But yeah, I'm, I, it's interesting. I, I hope he plays. And also, what's interesting is that he played in Germany for two years. Usually, when foreign players go to Germany, German clubs are very adamant about um, the players learning German. So if he has learned German and we have a German manager, <laughs> I'm thinking there might be a little bit of a synergy there. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, look, I'm interested. I, I, I'm definitely curious about what, how this turns out. Yeah. I, I'm actually interested by the other Cypriot at Frankfurt, Antonio, uh, Antonio Fodi. Yeah. You ever heard of him? He came yeah. from Omonia's academy. He scored five goals in ten, five goal, five goals in the last ten games for for the same Frankfurt team. So it appears that he's got more of a future at the club than than uh, Bondi goes. But listen, at the end of the day, you know, it's about time that we we sit here talking about Cypriot players breaking through. You know, we've seen the the Omonia players and obviously Bita as well breaking into the the national team. Uh, so it's about time that we were talking about these players because. You know, Speaking of which, are you expect? Yeah. I'm uh, genuinely asking: Are you expecting anyone to leave on a transfer, as in to be bought from Ammonia this January? Well, Roy and I were talking about this earlier, and um, the only player that we assume is going to be leaving in January is EI. 
but he's only on loan. So, and I think that's to, to bring Ernest Asante back in the, the squad. But apart from that, we can't think of anyone. We, I think uh, Dudis was possibly one to leave in January, but he's in a hot vein of form at the moment. And you can't sell him. You can't sell him. And you, can't, you shouldn't sell him anyway, because he's brilliant. Okay. Uh, to be honest, uh, like we're running out of time as well, so I don't know if, if you would rather want to talk about any other games or, or just keep it to that and just talk about, you know... Uh, well, tell you what, let, let's move on Let's move on to the Ayat game then, because that's the last one that we're going to discuss. Yeah, shall we just quickly go into that one? Because I've got some highlights yeah, just, to, to show you guys, yeah? Um, yeah, so Ayat beats... Oh, hang on, Ayat beats Ayat um, 2-0... Um, Ayek took the lead through uh, Jutsko, lovely goal, top bins mm-hmm. as they call it. Um, and again, Ayel trying to play an offside trap, which clearly didn't work. No one was talking to each other with that one. Everyone's arms were in the air, but no one was actually holding the line. Jutsko with a brilliant goal. As much as I dislike Vozinha, actually no dislike, as much as I find him absolutely hilarious, uh, that he had no chance. But this is a controversial incident, um, a foul by Tomovic. Um, which went to VAR. And this was more of a penalty than the decision not given in the other game that we discussed. And this, for me, is a stonewall penalty. He's lost possession of the ball. He's dithered over and he stuck his right foot out and he stepped on the player. That is clear as day. That is clear as day. But he went to VAR and and he was told to get up. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is this? (laughs) But um, Jutsko missed the chance to make it 2-0, an opportunity which... I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat myself in the next clip. You'd have bet his house on, bet your house on for him to at least hit the target. But this one from um, from uh, Madojevic was even worse. You look at um, Kerkes <laughs> on the bench. He's like, what's going what's going on? But this one, Driskovsky, again, a guy with a, a history of scoring goals. He thinks it over the keeper and he puts it wide. So that's three opportunities you'd say that they should be putting away. Another chance where they fit the post from Farage. But this was the second goal at the end from Farage. He, he um, atoned for his miss. Vazinho's gone up to, to try and score. And Farage has just put this in. Bottom corner. 2-0. Game over. And I'm going to show this over and over again because it's another calamity from Vazinho. Now, on the one hand, I can say, why are you not running back to your goal? But on the other hand, I'm thinking... Farage was, was in miles of space. No one was actually chasing him. It was only Vazinho that was chasing him. So, another defeat for Ayel. Their form has been terrible. And Kerkes, as you'll see in just a moment, a forlorn character on the, uh, on the touchline. He looks a broken man. It's almost as if, Arefiga, man, what am I going to do? Like, that is it. Um, oh, oh, Ole gana Kerkes. Kerkes at the wheel. At the moment, you see the darkness, you know, the, the weight. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> I, you know what? I feel sorry for Kerkes because Roy and I have spoken uh, in depth about the guy last season and how we respect him and how he's he's basically carried this team. I know, I think Bebe is the new director of football at IL, if I'm not mistaken. So he and the president have been running the ship. But I feel so sorry for the guy because he's done so well. He's done so well with this team. But can you guys summarise the slump? I don't want to talk too much about this game because... We saw clear as day how bad IL were, um, especially defensively. What's happened to the club at this moment in time? They, they've gone from up there challenging to the title to down here. I can't say it's just selling Maya, surely. It's not down to that. 
<laughs> I don't know, Roy. Well, okay. Uh, we, we touched it briefly earlier because we were on the phone with Stel um, for quite some time uh, this afternoon. And, uh, okay, listen. For me, Ayala has done extremely, extremely well uh, the last uh, two, three years. I mean, uh, winning uh, cup final and ending uh, third last year. And uh, for me, they, they're the team that exceeded the expectations set for them realistically in the beginning of every season. And they did that having one of the smallest budgets and without having a lot of people supporting them and helping them. It was basically Sofocleus and Gerkes running the ship and doing all the work. You would rarely hear about anyone else helping them. And they, they did that with the team. Okay, sometimes that's enough. Sometimes you, you are uh, an example that others want to follow. The, the players they brought in, they, they haven't always been top quality players, but they, they always managed in almost every transfer window to bring in some good players. And, and they, they also had some separate players who left the team last season and, and they keep a balance in the dressing room. They, they, it wasn't just uh, Danilo who left and Mae and even uh, Kerkes Sanz Trahinha, who was a good talent and helped the team. It was Avram, it was Haris uh, who left as well from also. Even though it seemed like it's two or three players who left from the from last year's team, similar to Ammonia, other teams improved more, and other teams that weren't in the picture last year are also there. Because think about the top six now: there's Abolon, Aek, obviously Ammonia, Apoel, and Orthosi, and then there's Olympiakos. Uh, Aris and Paphos who want to be in the top six. And I don't know how easy it's going to be, but the truth is that I didn't expect it. The two teams that I expected to be uh, title contenders uh, and, and maybe even favorites for, for this race were Omonia and Ael starting the season, the beginning of the season, because all the other teams were built from the beginning. It's disappointing to see Ael, obviously, I don't follow them that closely in order to be able to say if, you know, maybe the the transfers, the players they signed, they didn't help. Obviously, they didn't. I mean, Chepovic started off really well and everyone said that, you know, he, he's probably going to score like 12, 15 goals this season. But he hasn't helped. Pelé showed some glimpses, but he didn't really help. And uh, I don't know what it is, but uh, I heard something interesting uh, that even though uh, Sofokleus said that, you know, he stands behind Kerkes and uh, they're not going to sack him, there were talk about Pampos Christodoulou maybe coming back to, to AL. But what someone else said is that because both of these coaches Pampos and, and Dusan Kerkes, for me, Dusan would be a very good coach for the national team of Cyprus. Huh? I don't, I did, it's not, it's not someone told me this thing, but if Pampos goes back to hell, I think Kerkes is, is, is the right manager for the, for the national team. So, I, yeah. I, I tend to agree with that only because 
Gerkes has coached older players and younger players. The one reservation I will have is probably the most promising youngster he's got in the squad at the moment is um, Anthony Georgiou, who you know broke through his Tottenham's academy. And he's not playing this season. He's not playing. He's not playing. Exactly. So, I, I don't know. But then again, you know, is it because he's struggling to settle in Cyprus? Is it... It could, be, it could be anything. It could be many reasons, which I'm being on to, so to speak. So, you know, with, with the quality of players in the national team that Cyprus has, you know, OK, <laughs> the results don't reflect that, but we've seen it ourselves. The likes of Loizu, Johnnies, etc., Bitta, we know what they're capable of. The other thing I will say, maybe Kiri will, will um, challenge me on this one, Gerkez's system, he just insists on a 4-1-4-1. They haven't won a game in six. When are you going to change it? Um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's hard to boil it down to the, to the formation itself. I, I mean, I, I appreciate the point, um, but there's seemingly so much going on with them. So many, so many issues. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, a, a change in formation wouldn't hurt at this point. Definitely. Um, but there's a lot going on. I mean, I've heard some stuff about the background. Like Roy said, I mean, they were linked with Bambos coming back, um, which, I mean, Bambos, I'm not a huge, huge fan. I mean, I know Ayel, when they won the league uh, and the year after and the year before that, they were really, really good. But <laughs> they had some... Class players at, at that time, class players, and I'm yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the way Bambos plays. To me, it's gonna sound offensive, but he's like a Poundland gets buyer. I, I mean, Jesus. <laughs> there's a lot of I'm, I'm sorry, there's a lot of similarities in the way they manage, the way they approach games, kind of conservative, a little bit, a, a bit reserved, but uh, the difference is. And I, I will say this to, to I, I won't take that away. When I spoke with a player who was uh, found, scouted, signed, and played by Bambos, uh, he was effusive about his man management skills on a day-to-day -day training basis. So, uh, yeah, I, he said that he, the players were willing to, to run through brick walls for him. That's what he told me. Uh, Portuguese player so I mean I don't know M maybe maybe I need a change at the moment because I heard allegedly that Gerkes fell out with a bunch of players really that's why I mean that, that's what, again this is unconfirmed it's alleged but that's what I heard uh, which is it's tricky to to get to the bottom of it because it can be inter I mean it depends on how it's passed on to you Mm. Um, it either the player t played badly and the manager told him so. The, uh, do you know? Do you know what I mean? And then the player yeah. reacted, or I mean, no manager is going to create a problem. I'm mean, almost no manager is going to create a problem where no problem exists. Yeah. So, yeah. That's I, it. I think we saw the against Abuel how they capitulated. I think that that was the first sign of a team where players are actually downing tools. I think they had about six or seven yellow cards in that game, plus plus the red. So 
you, you do see that. But as I said, they haven't won a game in five or six. And that's got to be concerning. That's got to be a big concern. And, and let's be honest, in Cyprus, managers have been sacked for for less. They haven't scored a goal. I think it's uh, four and a half games, five games, they haven't scored a goal. I'll... Yeah, the last last goal they scored was against Ethnigo, which was in October, end of October. Jesus. And yeah. and um, and I, I haven't checked the, the XG today. But I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure if the game finished three or four nil, it wouldn't have been a surprise. Yeah, they missed a, a lot of high quality chances. And just a very, very quick comment about Ajax. It's the one team that every game they played this season, you fancy them to score at least once. Mm. They've always been threatening this season. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we've spoken about them at great length. So uh, I think they'll still be in the title hunt come the end of the season. But let's see, let's see. As I said, they, they looked a bit leggy the last time they played, but they seem to have got that energy back. But then again, of course, your tails are going to be up against a team that can, can't score goals, really. <laughs> well, boys, um, before we wrap it up, there was the small matter of the uh, the Russian derby between Aris and Bafo, which ended 0-0. And uh, Ethony Goz finally got another win. Uh, it was against uh, Olympia Goz. They beat them by a goal to nil. And this is what the table looks like. Bolon, top 25 points. Ajax, second on 24. Addis, third on 20. Olympiagos on 15. Then it's Buffo, Abuel, Omoni on 13. Arnoftasius on 13. Ael, ninth in uh, one, 12 points. Doxa have 10 points. Bayek with 8 points. And Ethnigo with 5 points. Hopefully this time next week we will be talking about a different story. But, um, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. It's been another fantastic episode. Um, yeah. Anything else we'd like to mention before we wrap it up, boys? Not really, man. Not really. Okay. Uh, up, the, up the Pope. Up the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> Used to be a goalkeeper. Good on crosses. Anyway, yes. that's it for another week. We'll be back next, next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah.